0: expert is a brief, informative, engaging and lively discussion about cutting edge of science and advancements in type one diabetes research. The presentation will be a short six to seven slide presentation, and then we're going to have uh, entertaining questions. So welcome. Um, We are recording this event. It's going to post on the Sugar Science site YouTube channel shortly after the presentation. And if you have any questions for our guest, uh, Dr. Jonathan Wiseman, please feel free to enter them in the chat or raise your hand at the end of the presentation. Um, Today, we have our guest, Jonathan Weissman coming uh, to us from Boston at MIT, where he's professor of biology. He's a member at the Whitehead Institute and an investigator at the Howard Hughes Medical Institute. He got his A.B. in physics from Harvard and then PhD at MIT, so he's going back to his PhD stumping grounds. Then he was at UCSF. He had a lab there, and Jonathan has a long list of awards, the most recent one being the Ira Herskerwitz Award, Genetic Society of America in 2020. And then you've got very busy in 2021 with three important papers published in eLife, Cell and Science. Um, this uh, CRISPR-based functional genomics in human dendritic cells. Very interesting paper. Single cell lineages reveal the rates, roots, and drivers of metastases in cancer xenografts. Really cool as well. But the sort of the meat of the sandwich today is gonna to be the paper, Genome-Wide Programmable uh, Transcriptional Memory by CRISPR-based epigenome uh, editing. And when you look at what he's doing in his lab, he says he studies how cells ensure proteins fold into their correct shape, as well as the role, whoops, here's a lot of people entering now later, um, as well as the role of proteins folding in disease and normal physiology. And they build tools for uh, exploring organizational principles of biological systems, which include ribosome profiling, which uh, really globally monitors pro- protein translation, CRISPR-IA for controlling the expression of human genes and rewiring the epigenome and lineage tracing tools to record the history of cells. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us. Uh,
1: Thank you for the invitation. Uh, It's wonderful to be here, at least virtually. I'll start sharing my screen and I thought I'd give a brief introduction to uh, the technology and some of its broad applications, but then be delighted to have a conversation about uh, uh, how more granular conversation about uh, how it might be applied to some of the problems uh, uh, you might be interested in.
0: Right. So, uh,
1: the, uh, CRISPR, is, uh, as you know, has uh, really led to a revolution in our ability uh, to rewrite genomes, to change the sequence of genes. And uh, that's important for many applications, especially if, for example, you have a, a, a mistake in your DNA and you want to change that. But for many other applications, what we really want to do is control the expression of genes to be able to turn them on and off. Uh, And for that, it's not necessary to actually damage the DNA, to cut the DNA the way that CRISPR-Cas9 normally does. Uh, So we and others have developed uh, catalytically dead versions of CRISPR-Cas9 that essentially allow you to create a programmable DNA binding factor and to recruit recruit effector domains that can change uh, transcription, turning it on and off or modify the chromatin structure. And what I'd like to talk about is a new type of tool that unlike those other uh, dead Cas9 epigenetic uh, modifying proteins, uh, this one has the feature that it allows a transient exposure to the CRISPR Cas9 that then writes in uh, methylation marks in the DNA and causes a permanent heritable silencing of the gene. So in this way, you get sort of the best of both worlds. You get the ability of a transient exposure to the uh, epigenome writer the same way you would with uh, with a CRISPR-Cas9 uh, nuclease, uh, causing a permanent change. Uh, on the one hand, on the other hand, you don't have the off-target effects and uh, the toxicity uh, associated with uh, cutting DNA. So we call this uh, CRISPR off uh, because it turns off the genes and we actually have a, 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 a sort of the complement to this, which is a CRISPR on that can turn the genes back on. But I'll focus on CRISPR off. So uh, the basis of this system was uh, really to recapitulate and take advantage of a great deal of work that uh, has been done to study epigenetic silencing. And we know that the cell has a number of different mechanisms uh, for heritably silencing genes. But the one we're focusing on here is a system used uh, to silence endogenous retrovirus, retroviral transposable ailments. And these uh, in, uh, these are uh, bring in DNA methylases and zinc finger crab domain proteins uh, that cause a, a methylation of the DNA, which essentially completely silences uh, those genes. Uh, the uh, the other uh, sort of bit of background that's important to know is that uh, most expressed genes have these so-called CPG islands. These are uh, relatively enriched in the CG sequences, which can be the target of DNA methylation. But in expressed genes, these are typically hypomethylated. So what we've done is engineered a simple, programmable, uh, reversible platform for establishing epigenetic memory in human cells uh, by uh, m- uh, bringing in a DNA-methyltransferase that methylates uh, these CPG islands and express genes. And we think that this is gonna be a powerful tool for saying the basic mechanisms of gene regulation and uh, CRISPR-based uh, genetic medicines. So uh, uh, to get a little bit of the weeds of this, we knew that uh, from a-, a number of, of uh, studies uh, that preceded ours, that uh, there are three really complementary uh, uh, components to affect these types of uh, heritable methylation. Uh, uh, DNMT3A, which is the methyltransferase, and a related uh, complementary protein that uh, stimulates activity of the 3A catalytic, uh, the catalytic activity of 3A, uh, called 3L. And then, uh, separately, uh, uh, Crab's finger uh, proteins that uh, are that uh, cause chromatin modifications, in particular H3K9 um, methylation, uh, that um, is uh, known to be important for uh, setting up a heritable mark. And to make a long story short, after making a lot of different fusion proteins, uh, we found that we were able to uh, have a, a, a CRISPR-V2, where we were uh, transiently, by, for example, in this case, transient transfection, a- expressing our CRISPR off uh, protein targeting to a specific locus, and that this was then causing silencing of that locus uh, that could persist indefinitely. And just as a sort of nice, I, I think, uh, example illustration of how robust the cell is at uh, propagating these uh, silent states. Uh, here we propagated a uh, uh, hectic uh 293 cells uh for 15 months uh something like uh, 450 passages uh and uh, uh and 39 38 of the 39 clones uh the gene we had silenced in this case uh clta uh was essentially completely off so once established uh these self propagating uh, methylation states are extremely robustly heritable and Uh, These experiments, as I said, were in HEC-293 cells. We've done this in HeLa, U2S, K562s, and uh, a number of other cell lines, including induced pluripotent stem cells. Uh, We used a Cas9 backbone to deliver, uh, to target the methyltransferases, but we've also, so from S-biogenes, but we've used other species, and uh, a dcas D-Cas12. We've delivered by plasma transfection, mRNA, uh, LNPs, uh, and stably induced expression. And we've also shown that the system can be easily multiplex. So if we want to silence multiple genes at once, uh, we're able to do that. And that's really a big advantage of our CRISPR cutting-based approaches, where when you start to make multiple cuts uh, in the DNA, you both have toxicity and can have a lot of unintended consequences, including uh, translocations and sort of large-scale uh, deletions, or in some cases, a uh, Chromotrypsis is essentially a shredding of the chromosomes. Um, so uh, here's an example of uh, a silencing experiment. We did induced pluripotent stem cells. We t- took an iPS cell, transfected transiently with CRISPR off, uh, sorted for the transfected cells. Uh, we were, in this case, silencing a cell surface marker uh, CD81, and then passage nine days differentiated uh, to neurons and, uh, and both the parental and the silent cells uh, were able to differentiate robustly to neurons uh, and essentially, at least the level we analyzed, indistinguishable. Uh, but if we had the key difference is that if we had silenced the CD81 and the IPS cell, it remained completely silenced uh, throughout this differentiation. And so that's nice because it means we can do uh, this complex uh, engineering in the IPS cell and then create. Dr- uh, Drive cell lines that will uh, retain these changes. And uh, this is, uh, this uh, methylation is highly specific. We could see both at the transcriptional level and here uh, in the experiment uh, we did with uh, Brad Bernstein's lab. uh, We, by looking at a whole genome by sulfide sequencing, uh, we can see that we specifically methylate uh, the locus that we targeted, the CLTA locus and Essentially, uh, no uh, real detectable uh, methylation uh, in other t- uh, target sites. So, uh, basically, you know, the conclusion is for these uh, single examples that we've looked at, that we have a high degree of efficacy and specificity and heritability of the silencing. So, the next question then is uh, how many genes are amenable to CRISPR all silencing? What are the rules for DNA methylation based silencing? And to get at this, uh, we made a genome-wide library in which we had uh, a different guide RNA targeting each of the approximately 20,000 protein coding sequences, transiently uh, transfected them, uh, uh, sorry, put in the library uh, by lentivirus to the guide so that each cell got a different uh, lentivirus. So it will target the crispr off to a different gene, but then transiently transfected the crispr um, uh protein Uh, sorted for transfected cells, and then grew these cells uh, for 10-cell doublings. The reason why this was a useful uh, global test is that uh, thanks to uh, many CRISPR-cutting and crispr eye screens, we had a a robust list of genes that we knew were either essential for growth or not essential for growth uh, in uh, this cell line. Uh, And what this let us do is essentially look uh, at both the efficacy and the uh, specificity uh, by seeing how many genes uh, uh, among the essential genes, what fraction of them uh, showed a growth defect following this transient crispr exposure, and then how many false positives we, did we get by looking at non-essential genes. And so sort of the sh- long and short of this is uh, not even having optimized uh, the guide design uh, in any way, but essentially uh, sort of shooting in the dark in a little bit of, by uh, uh, using rules inferred from other um, other CRISPR targeting experiments, we were really able to do extremely well at uh, tar- at silencing uh, this and uh, getting signal from the central genes with a high degree of specificity. So eighty to ninety percent of the central genes uh, gave us a robust growth defect uh, with minimal false positive rates. So just to conclude, uh, we think we have a robust technology for memorized gene silencing. It's highly specific, multiplexable, and reversible. Uh, the majority of human genes can be silenced, perhaps the large majority. Uh, there's and data I didn't show you. There's a broad targeting window across promoters, and this uh, gives us an opportunity to do look at uh, silence distal regulatory regions, including enhancers, and potentially even doing allele-specific silencing to target the uh, if the, you have a dominant uh, disease causing mutation, to specifically cause uh, target that dominant uh, mutation, and uh, that we can do cell engineering in stem cells and neurons. And so we think that this has a, a number of important applications, uh, including uh, therapeutics to sort of get a personalized medicine. So basically, uh, target the silencing of genes based on uh, the sequence of a patient. Uh, for cell and tissue engineering, for example, in uh, 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 things like CAR-T therapies to uh, allow us to silence uh, multiple genes uh, as we engineer these cell therapies, for a new modality for high-throughput CRISPR screens to do uh, large-scale functional genomics, and then as a tool for exploring chromatin biology. This ability to specifically target a gene at a defined time and defined location uh, now lets us study in much greater depth Uh, the process by which these epigenetic silencing states are initiated and then propagated. So with that, I'll just like give a bit of thanks to, shout out to all the people who did the work. This was a wonderful collaboration with my uh, former colleague at UCSF, uh, Luke Gilbert, and uh, really the champion behind all this work was a a postdoctoral fellow in my laboratory, uh, James Nunez. Uh, but we also had a number of wonderful collaborators. Uh, uh, Jin Chen, helpful on the screening. Greg uh, Palmier did a lot of work on uh, this CRISPR on for reversing the CRISPR off. Uh, Howard Chang's uh, group did some nice studies showing that you, proof of principle, that you could in, you could target enhancers for epigenetic silencing in a different addition to promoters. Uh, and uh, uh, Carmen and Volker and Brad uh, for the whole genome bisulfite uh sequencing analysis. So with that, I'll 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 finish this sort of formal part and see if there's any questions.
0: That's really fantastic, Jonathan. Thank you. Um this, uh, you know, it's amazing and it's a great shout out to your postdoc as well. Um you know he was like the first author on there, right? So that was fantastic. Yeah. For him. And um I just, you know, in terms of wh- I mean, I don't know if you want to go out here on a limb, but in terms of thinking about the dysfunctional pancreatic beta cell, um, right? And one of the hypotheses is that the virus, you know, some sort of enterovirus infects the pancreatic beta cell. You know, the protein synthesis gets a bit gummed up, and you come up with some of these Frankenstein-looking insulins that get out and irritate the immune system. Um, you know, that kind of goes into your world of folding. Maybe there's some folding issues. But, um, you know, what would you, how would you imagine using this tool to address that scenario?
1: Um, I think there's two, two places. One is from the functional genomics. So trying to discover what's important for the folding or for defects uh, that are uh, causing um, the beta cells to... Uh, basically being recognized by the immune system um, but the other and and so that would be sort of target discovery but the flips the other side of this would be uh you know as as you know better than i there's a great deal of interest in engineering uh generating ips cells and engineering them and this would give uh perhaps a, a nice tool for uh doing some of that engineering uh to basically um either to uh to, for example, try to make them un- not recognized by the immune system.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, uh, you know, in the ideal world, um, you would have an allo product. So a product that you could make uh, from uh, uh, one person's uh, iPS cells uh, and then make turn off uh, the MHC and other things that would cause them to be recognized as foreign when transplanted in a second patient. Um, and then induce them to, to ge, uh, generate islet cells. And that way it could be done on uh, on a very large scale rather than having it uh, be bespoke for each patient, which is you know, gonna be challenging uh, and, uh, and in general more expensive.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a collaboration waiting to happen. That's exciting. What about um, on the flip side, right? The immune cells, how, how can we change their recognition um, you know, Neil Bouchon at UCSF just came out with a very interesting paper basically saying that the the beta cells become senescent and do not get cleared. The NK cells, NKI, have a deficit in their clearing process, and they can't basically see that these beta cells are just sitting around there gumming things up. So I just sort of totally hypothetically again, but I mean, if we think about the NK cell, like what, you know, could you enhance its know using some of your tools could could you enhance its operations basically
1: so this is I mean, or uh, shut down
0: that shut down the if we're talking about the the t cells the cd8s that are doing some killing there can we shut can we tune them also
1: so this is definitely starting to get beyond uh beyond my realm of expertise but they're uh you know they've been uh a, a number of nice papers or approaches trying to do cell engineering as a way of uh, manipulating the immune system, and uh, two come two broad approaches come to mind. One would be to make a CAR T against mesenchymal cells, and this is an approach that uh, was published by Scott Low uh, recently in, in the context of liver fibrosis uh, and uh, and uh, pancreas and lung cancer. Sorry, and But the idea was to target, uh, basically make a chimeric T cell that's recognizing markers that are specific to senescent cells. And this then could be used to clear the senescent, uh, if uh, if there are senescent islet beta cells. Uh, In that case, uh, again, I think this would be a nice way of doing this type of cell engineering because you, it lets you do multiplexed engineering and potentially making again an allo product uh that so that you would have an alpha shelf treatment rather than having to make it for each patient so so that would be one and the other would be uh to try to make uh essentially uh uh car t cells that are recognizing uh the t cells that are attacking or uh are uh, 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 b cells that are making antibodies that are attacking your islet cells.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of fun experimentation to be done in that realm. And I think your tools are gonna to be far reaching. I've got another question here from the chat. Did you look at CRISPR off for the um, LNC RNAs as well, long non-coding?
1: Uh, that's an excellent question. Uh, and the short, I'll, I'll move over to this view. Um, the the short answer is we've not done that yet but well as it turns out one of the um one of the targets one of the sort of reporter genes was essentially using a promoter that's expressing an, a non coding rna uh, but i see no reason why uh, that the crispr off this type of epigenetic silencing would not would would not work on um, long non coding rnas and we're we're quite interested in so for example uh, exists the the long encoding rna responsible for uh, x chromosome silencing uh is um, methylated as a way of having it be turned off on uh, one of the two chrom- uh, x chromosomes so i think it's a particularly nice approach for silencing long encoding rnas because unlike uh crispr cutting where for protein coding you know you you' you uh, make a mutation in indel in the protein coding sequence and you disrupt the reading frame, the protein dead. There's no simple indel typically that would, uh, that would disrupt the function of non-coding RNA. And it's better, I think, to just stop it from being expressed.
0: That's really interesting. I do, um, you know, I also wonder, uh, just to circle back to your comments about creating, you know, beta cell from uh, iPSCs, from stem cells, You know, your your process. It seems like maybe your process might expedite things, right? That's what it seems like to me. Um, And and if we want to talk about like you know making it just quality control and big big picture, that that could go a long way towards you know getting getting this kind of technology really streamlined and moving quickly. Are there yeah. any downsides to you know that kind of process in inserting that kind of process into the beta cell um, what do you want to call it? The
1: yeah, the end differentiation end protocols. Yeah, yeah, the production, which are complicated and multi-stepped. Um, so it's another step you're adding. So you know it's a it has to the the effort to implement it has to be justified in terms of the increasing. Uh, the yield or are are, uh, accuracy. But what I would sort of say is, you know, you have just globally in a differentiation, there's a number of decisions that are being made. So if you have genes or transcription factors that are required for off-pathway uh, 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 branches, silencing those, especially if they're not expressed in the ultimate um, uh, beta cell that you want to produce, silencing those would be a way of blocking off that route and therefore making it easier to go down the route that you desired, at least qualitatively. Yeah. And again, because you can multiplex, because we think we can target multiple genes at once and we don't have the sort of, uh, each cut we make having an additional cost and an additional risk, uh, we think that uh, this gives might give you a lot of opportunities for these types of manipulation. So j- you at the same time that you prevent MHC expressing, you, you can also uh, turn off genes that are required for you know uh uh, uh alpha cell or some other uh, uh, steps that you uh, want to avoid
0: yeah no it's really really exciting i guess i would just ask if people are interested in you know accessing these types of tools are the protocols readily available are they published uh on like protocols io or or where where would someone go if they were you know Postdoc and just saying, oh, I could use these tools in my, um, um, my, my paradigm.
1: We should write up uh, uh, some more protocols. But honestly, uh, so uh, the things are the plasmids are now finally available on Addgene. We had a little bit of a hiccup with getting all the approvals from, um, for reasons that made no sense to me. But we, we, I think as of, we submitted, we deposited them well before the paper was uh, was uh, going to be published. Awesome. but I guess not soon enough. But then, you know, essentially it's, you. It, the I think that we've had a number of labs do basically the experiments we've done, do a transient transfection with the plasmids and get in the, uh, permanent silencing. So I think that basic part of it is straightforward. And we have the rules uh, for uh, the different, uh, that we use to make guides that would be, uh, could be applicable to any gene that you are interested in. Great, uh, so, but we, but I think we can do a little more to make the protocols clear. But I think for most people at this point, a lot of people have experienced working with CRISPR, and it's it's very much many of the same manipulations.
0: Okay, awesome. So all the tools are out there; you just have to go get them. So, yeah, excellent. Um, well, thank you so much. I know you're under a total time crunch, and um, thank you, Jonathan, for talking with us. Um, and uh, we wish you all the best in the future. Hope that uh, these things keep keep coming out of your lab <laughs> because the things that are coming out are great.
1: Thanks so much. It was wonderful to get a chance to talk to you guys. And thanks for listening.
0: Thanks. Bye.